0: I do this for my culture, 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 culture,
1: culture. I do
0: this for my culture, culture, culture. Peace and welcome to Fortnite Culture. Right here on WEAA 88.9 FM and WEAA.org. Absolutely the voice of the community. I'm your host, Faraji Muhammad. Thank you so much for checking in and riding with us. Happy Tuesday, folks. Happy Tuesday. Um, I mean, we're blessed to see another day, but it's kind of a, a solemn day. It's a solemn day because today we're going to talk about the one-year acknowledgement of the killing of George Floyd. Uh, I don't like to use, earn it. Anniversary seems so, it just doesn't seem appropriate. Maybe we could say the one-year commemoration, because we want to honor his life. Um, but I, I just personally, I just don't want to say anniversary. You know, when I think of anniversary, I'm thinking of joyous occasions. Um I think I guess the best way to kind of look at it is the the joy, quote unquote, is the fact that his life um, added to a movement. It didn't spark a movement. His life added to a movement. Because there are so many whose names we may never know who have lost their lives in the hands of uh, law enforcement. And there are cases that are coming out now. I'm thinking about the case of Ronald Green. That's from 2019. It's 2021, two years later. So, George Floyd is certainly a special case, but he added to the movement for liberation, for justice. And so, tonight, I wanted us to um, have some, a few different conversations about this. Um, at the 6 o'clock mark, we're going to be checking in with uh, our sister, Dr. Edwards, who serves as the director of the School of Community Health and Policy here at Morgan State University. And um, she's going to um, give us some insight about uh, the trauma of this situation. You know, the trauma. Uh yeah. So there's so much trauma. And like I said, you know, my uncle checked it on my Facebook page, and you can do the same at Faraji Muhammad. He he said they want they wanted us never to know Ronald Green. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Uncle. I mean, that's that's where we are. It is you know, again. I heard that there were a couple of stories that came out of um, Minneapolis. One is that they a car struck two protesters. I heard about that story, and then some shots rang out at George Floyd Square.
1: <sighs>
0: so it's 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 still a very uncertain period that we are in right now. Even with you know. One year later, um, it's still a very uncertain period. And um, I hope that everyone takes a moment, at least a day, to at least reflect on George Floyd. And unfortunately, we may not be able to reflect on him as the man that he was, right, as the father figure, as the big brother— as the son. Unfortunately, because of that taped encounter with Derek Chauvin, our reference point is going to be somewhat minimal and skewed to only remember him as the man screaming out, I can't breathe. I want to see my mother. That's a... That is a sad last few words that you really want to hear a grown man say, his wailing and crying and all of those things. But I hope that we can at least reflect on the fact that, um, you know, here is a man who simply just tried to do the best that he can within a system that didn't see him as human. And uh, since that's the case, then we should at least respect that. We should at least take the time out to just reflect on that. And, you know, everything is going to be said about George Floyd today. And it all has been said. Right. You know, Um, folks are going to put him in a space where we may not be able to fully understand, fully grasp because of just the magnitude of his killing. But one thing is for certain. and, And certainly we can't forget that this full day will forever be etched into our brains on social media. So you probably have come across hundreds of different pictures of George Floyd on your timeline, which is fine. I mean, you know, that's that's the way that we honor people in 2021. You know what I mean? When we we we, we did that with Kobe, we did that with Michael Jackson. We've done all that with all of our great you know, our great ones. We've done that with um, those who have lost their lives, whether it's Trayvon. Whether it's uh, Philando Castile, whether it's Sandra Bland, I mean, you know, we flood the social media, and and that's a, I think that comes from a space of us just wanting to remember, to acknowledge the person. So I'm not I'm not upset or yeah. going to say anything bad about that. However, I just want us to keep in mind that uh, George Floyd was a was a real human being. He wasn't a celebrity, you know? He wasn't, he wasn't an entertainer or sports figure. He wasn't a movie star. He was a man that was just trying to do his best in a system that didn't see him as human. And so, you know, when we're talking about being in that space— then i think that we can at least take the time to just try to resonate with his with his humanity there was um i saw a uh, a meme on social media normally you know your memes are the funny ones and stuff but this one really struck a chord for me and i thought i was just like let me share this with the folks today as we start off the show and you know this person tweeted today um, Derricka Purnell, or Derrick, yeah. They tweeted, many people will turn George Floyd into a martyr today. We must fight to remember that he did not give his life for justice, for our movement, for for an uprising. He wanted to live. He fought to live. I want y'all to just think about that very quickly. He said, many people will turn George Floyd into a martyr today. We must fight to remember that he did not give his life for justice, for our movement, for an uprising. He wanted to live. He fought to live. And the reason that this struck me was because That's essentially what all of us are striving to achieve, right? You don't fight to die. There's certainly, depending on how you die, there certainly is honor in death, right? If you die for a cause that's bigger than yourself, if you die for your your beliefs or for your God, if you die for those things, yes, there's certainly honor in that. So that's not the problem. But I think that we do put a lot, On a person's death and forget the fact that he actually wanted to live, that if he had the chance, if he had the choice, he would have chosen to live. And so while we're in this moment and while we are part of this big decision that we all have to make and while we are at a place of a growing movement, not just Black Lives Matter— but a movement for justice, a movement to fight for the life of humanity, we have to keep that at the forefront that we are fighting to live like human beings. We are fighting to live justified and equitably. We are fighting to live for freedom. The revolutionaries, we often put them in a space of of them wanting to live to die. No. The revolutionary, the great ones, whoever you see as a revolutionary, whether it's Huey Newton, whether it was Fred Hampton or Che Guevara or Bobby Seale or Angela Davis or whoever the case may be, their essential goal was to fight so they can live to enjoy the fruits of freedom, justice, and equality. They didn't fight to die (laughs) because you don't just want to die if there's a chance that you can live in a better condition, in a better state. And I'm talking about if you of your sound mind and faculties. So you're fighting essentially to live. And I thought that this was such poignant because. We do put him in a space like he gave up his life. No, he didn't get—his life was taken. Let's keep that real. Dr. King's life was taken. Malcolm X's life was taken. However, however, that was the sacrifice that was made. They knew at some point that they would have to make the ultimate sacrifice, but essentially they would—I'm sure that they would have made the choice to live. But all great ones are willing— to die, to show how much they love the people, the, how much they love the cause for to fight for freedom, justice, and equality. But I'm sure that if they had the choice that they would have chosen, I would love to live to enjoy the the the, the fruit of the fight, the fruit of the struggle. But if God sees it fit and he takes me, then so be it. It is his will. See that's that's another different. That's not a martyr. That's being a servant. So I think that that was. I just wanted to kind of speak to that for a little bit as we we're talking about George Floyd and one year later because he's gone. He'll never be forgotten. But his physical body is gone. And so what do you say to the next generation, those young people who might have to be in school today and have to, you know, they're watching the news and you're having these conversations with them. What do you say? Do you tell your son? Do you tell your daughter? Yes, son. Yes, daughter. Make sure that you give up your life to a system and to people that hate you. No, you teach them. I teach my children. No, you do that all that you can to fight for the preservation of your life. And if you have to go make the ultimate sacrifice, just know that your sacrifice will not be in vain and that you will go down as one of the great ones. But we all fight to live. Nobody wants to struggle and not see the other side of the struggle. I'm sure that the wonderful, beautiful survivors of the Greenwood District, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Massacre Miss Viola Fletcher and her brother and her sister and the the last survivors of that, they, I'm sure, they would love to see, to live to see the day where justice prevails. And would rather just see the final day just to see the cranes coming down into the ground of Greenwood, removing the old dirt and replacing it with new dirt, and fertile ground is, is laid and buildings are built. I'm, I'm sure they wish to see the day that that happens because they suffered. But we all are suffering now. And so now we have to understand that the ultimate sacrifice may have to be made, that you shouldn't be afraid, but at the end of the day, you want to live to see it. I'm going to open up the phone lines for you. 410-319-8888. Because the big question that is on everybody's mind— that people have been asking today is has racial justice in policing particular, but in the US in general, made any progress in one year? See, this is such a... I, you know, I you know, it's one of them questions that you know, you it's it's such a, it's one of those, that's a 2021 question. <laughs> You know what I mean? You said, "Well, what's a 2021 question?" A 2021 question is as long as this as black people have been in this country and suffered in this country. We think that just one year is going to just naturally change. Now, no, I'm not saying it. But there is this expectation that things will change just because a few people showed up in the streets. No, that's not going to happen just overnight. That's a, that's really what one. I mean, when you compare the 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 struggle of black folks, compare the struggle of oppressed people in this country, which which range in the hundreds of years. One year seems like a, an hour. <laughs> in comparison to the great struggle, one year seems like oh okay, y'all just waking up. Not not even out of the bed yet. You didn't even roll over to get out the bed yet. you just waking up. But the expectation is that everything will change overnight. And so we got to be cognizant of that, that things won't change overnight. But at the same time, there have been some changes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why it's important for us to have to fight to live, and why it's important to us for us to have realistic expectations of what this moment is calling from us at this point. Let's go to the phone lines. Piers out of Bel Air. Piers, thank you so much for checking and being the first voice on the show tonight.
2: Salam alaikum, Faraji. How you doing? Alaikum well, salam.
0: I'm good, Piers. How are you, brother?
2: Not bad. That's not my real name. But what I wanna will say is okay. I have a situation up here in Bel Air, Maryland, where my daughter's head was possibly crushed in. I, not possibly, but actually. She's wearing a helmet. I was arrested for making a complaint to the Bel Air Police Department. I went to Senator Cardin's office twice, and the receptionist looked me dead in the eye and said, what do you want me to do about it? So now I'm facing 40 years, possibly losing my apartment, and nobody's doing a thing about it. I have a hearing tomorrow at Housing 15 South Main Street, 1030. Just keep my apartment. Then my court date is August 10th. Please put somebody on this because this is getting so trifling. I'm doing everything. Do you have a,
0: do you have any, you have a legal day. representation?
2: I'm dealing with uh, a legal aid bureau, of a- fantastic african-american American male by the name of mr. Alexander awesome guy okay uh, and for for the uh, public defense for the criminal charges uh, I'm dealing with a woman named Katrina Smith but she won't even ask for a dismissal all of my close friends all the legal pre- representatives that I talked to men of our uh, light so to say they all say that this should be dismissed but I'm facing so many problems up here and shortly after this all happened, my, someone tried to break into my apartment while I was sitting in, right next to the door. I mean, just imagine that feeling in the middle of the night. Yeah. And when it did, when the arrest took place, uh, the, the, the subsequent day when I was released, I found that my apartment door had been left open and my car, my car the extra car, uh, keys that I had to my car and passwords to my computer was left out. My car was vandalized. All my passwords to all types of accounts and things depending financially are frozen. I'm dealing with a big mess here, and no one's doing a thing about it. And it's just, how, do I, how does a person function? How does a person keep their mental health? How does a person actually act like they want to be part of a culture or a society that continues to just run amok over anything decent and square? Thank you, for
0: you walk. Hold on, brother. I want to uh, put you on hold, and um, let's see if we can get you some help. It sounds like you got a few things happening right there. So um, I'm gonna have uh, Demi if you can take the brother's number, and then we'll follow up with him to see if we can get this brother some help. At this point, man, I'm really sorry to hear that, brother. I really am. We'll try to do our best to see if we can help you, connect you to some some resources here. Let's go back to the phone line, 410-319-8888. Uh, Anthony in Columbia, thank you so much for checking in. What's your, what's your comment, Anthony?
3: Raji, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate this. You know what? You, you are so right on point. We have so far to go. You think back to when LBJ was president, and he invited invited Dr. King into his office. Now, for for, for, uh, Dr. King and his team to get all those acts passed, it took 10 years. Come on.
4: 10 years. Come on, brother, say it.
3: They didn't give up. They didn't give up. So, and white folks in Georgia are seizing. We already see what they've done. Texas is about to do the same thing. Arizona's not too far behind. We have, to, we have to know, really, what our history is. Dr. King and his team did it back then. Ralph Abernathy and so, Andrew Young and so forth and so on. We have got to be reminded we've got 2022 going on already. Then we've got 2024 going on. We have got to think in terms of keeping this White House for eight years. Not just four, mm-hmm. eight years. Because 2022 is going to tell us if we are going to have a majority, a full majority in the Senate, that so we don't have to go through this doo doo that we're going through with the Senate and McConnell right now. Right. People have, I mean, our people, and well, the other thing I'll say is one very good reason why I, I never have purchased an NFL jersey. I know kids love the love the sports. But when you've got the NFL Players Association, and I can tell you, it's got to be 75% African-American.
1: hmm
3: These brothers don't take a real microscopic look at things and say, hey, listen, this is happening in our community. And every major city, no matter what it is, Detroit, Chicago, Baltimore, they all have an NFL team. Some mm-hmm. are blessed to have an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The resource is already as so I just I just invoke if any Baltimore Ravens is listening, take this up with the NFL Players Association. And if you have a friend who's playing in the NBA, take it up with the NBA Players Association.
4: Mm.
0: We have everything in place. We just have to pull the lever. You're right. Brother, you are so so right. And I'm so, bl- I'm so happy, uh, Anthony, that you brought that point up, especially the point about um, LBJ. I want to share with you um, something about LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, when he was president. You know, the big thing that came out as it relates to civil rights during his presidency was the Kerner Commission report. And that report essentially was a major audit. It was a report. Um, about what was happening in America, the inequities of America, right? And in that report, it laid out some things. And do you know that 50 years ago, that report said something about black people and the relationship between black people and policing? And guess what happened? 50 years ago, that that those findings came out. And no one, not even the president, President Johnson, really embraced those recommendations. So what are we supposed to do? And I'm saying we as this country, but then we as black people in this country, what are we supposed to do when our pain has already been analyzed Solutions were given, but nothing was done. And my concern is, in all this talk about George Floyd and the the, the reckoning, the national racial reckoning, quote-unquote, that we might be going down the same road and essentially passing on the same burden to our children for them to carry over the next 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 years. Let's take a quick pause. When we come back, more of your thoughts. 410-319-8888. Stay riding with us. It's for the culture on WEAA. I do this for my culture, 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 culture. culture. Peace and welcome back to For the Culture Here on WEAA 88.9 FM and WEAA.org Absolutely the voice of the community I'm your host Faraji Muhammad Thank you so much for checking in and riding with me this evening Folks, we are talking about the one year commemoration Of the death of George Floyd. 1 year ago today, folks, George Floyd was killed by Derek Chauvin of the uh, formerly of the Minneapolis Police. We saw his death. We heard his death on camera, on video. And now today, we are asking the question, what has changed in America since George Floyd was killed? And I think that um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's an okay question. But I think that it also gives us the impression that change comes in 365 days. Change for a, a issue, a race issue, that is ingrained in every single ounce of them, the American people's lives. Change doesn't, it's not uprooted. Now, Are we expecting change to happen overnight? No. Has there been some progress made? Yeah, okay, some, some, some. But is the progress that has been made, the small progress that has been made, compared to the big issue, compared to the limited time? No. We still got ways to go. We still got ways to go. But the ways that we go to go, it doesn't it's not just about policing and, and, and reform and laws and policies and all of those things. I mean, we still got ways to go on people's attitudes, on people's view and beliefs and values. That's the hard part. I mean, we can change laws all day. You and I know it. We could change policy all day. We can, we can, we can protest and march till the cows come home. But guess what? It's it's so much harder to change people's minds on a on an issue of this magnitude, race in America. Let's go back to the phone line, see what you gotta say, folks. I don't want to talk all night. Wesley, Rice's Town, then Ayanna in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: I try to be fast, and thank you for letting me get on the show here. Um, I was taught when, when I was a kid, there was a statement that I was made that just seemed to be the stupidest statement I've ever heard, that this country is a nation of laws and not men. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You said it's a nation of laws and, but not men? That's what they were taught. That's what we taught us, they taught us in school. Wow. It's a nation of laws and not men. That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. <laughs> the second dumbest statement was is that Europe is a continent. It is not. We've been told a bunch of lies. Um, the second thing is this I'm telling you this now Asians, blacks, Hispanics, and Jews, they better get their act together and they better form some allyship because, and, and, and you don't have to like each other, but you better get in a movement. That when you got some allies and you have some force and you can do something with these elections and you can have some type of um, coalition with you because they can pick us off one at a time. Now, the thing about um, the whole thing about George Floyd George Floyd was not trying to start any movement. You're supposed to live for your causes, not die for your causes. And George Floyd wasn't trying to start a movement by dying. He was trying to get through his day like I'm trying to get through my day, like you're trying to get through your day. Right. To see, to see your kids. You understand? Now, the $20 bill, I never understood what significance was that, whether it was fake or not fake. I don't understand that. Um, he could have got it in change. I mean, are they suggesting that he had a printing press in his basement? He was putting out $20 bills?
0: I, I don't understand. I don't understand either. Um, I so, say, and, and you know what's so funny about that, brother? I saw a, a, a story with a gentleman that owned the little convenience store. I think they call it Cup Market or something. That's the name of the convenience store. Cup Foods, yeah. Cup Foods. And, and he said he, he felt terrible for calling the, on, the police on George Floyd
5: for, yeah, for the $20. Okay.
0: okay. The, other, the,
1: the other thing is this. Um, George Floyd was killed by a cowardly white right man who could not have taken him in a fight in 100 years. Right. He couldn't have stood up to George Floyd in 100 years. Now, I was, I'm an ex-Marine. I look at him, he give me pause. Of course, I'm almost 80 years old. Now, the other problem that, that, um, that happened besides all this racism, okay, that's the problem, but the Supreme Court struck down probable cause as, a, uh, as the, uh, the tenant of police action and supplanted it with reasonable suspicion, which is extremely, um, uh, 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 how do you say it? Uh, it's up to the interpretation. I can't call a word because I'm too old. It's up to the interpretation of the police officer mm-hmm. as, as reasonable suspicion. Anything can be reasonable suspicion. Probable cause is a highest standard. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court knew, they knew, what they, were going to, what they were doing when they did it. So that's all I got to say. I appreciate I that. Say I'm very proud to be an alum of Morgan State that has this on the radio. Goodbye. I appreciate you,
0: Wesley. Thank you so much, brother, for checking in. Let's go back to the phone lines. 410-319-8888. Uh, we have Miss Rita. Miss Rita, talk to me. What's your take? Hey, I'm Farage.
4: Hi, Miss Rita. You know, it's ironic that you... That you want the because I need you, okay? I need your input, and your advice, because I am really struggling in this moment. I have raised my children in my in my home. We have raised each other. But I have raised them with the ideals that every child should be able to embrace and be proud of their nativity. No one should ever feel lesser than any other individual, no matter what the circumstance of the individual they be you should all embrace and be proud of your culture here. And I fallen in love with some of the most extraordinary people who are Caucasian. Uh, so many very great. I I fell in love with how beautiful they were. And it's so hard for me right now, uh Faraji. It's hard because I know deep in my heart, some of these people that I fell in love with, they do agree with the um Uh, 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 a lot of the ideals of – I'm not going to say Trump, but this current Republican mess we got going. Right. And uh, it it, it just – I don't know how to deal with it. uh, I don't know how to deal with the fact that I'm dealing with a nation of people who have diabolical retributions towards anyone that disagrees or goes against their ideals. They not only – have the the freelance to practice this on any nation, they have the protection of the government that simultaneously speaks against what they are protecting. Mm. And, And I'm struggling with how is it that I'm supposed to love you knowing that my son or my daughter and for me, we may be in danger by someone that looks just like you, That may destroy my family's life, that person looks just like you, and you may actually agree with them deep in your heart, but you're my close friend. Ha, ha, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with that emotional conundrum, that dilemma. And that's a terrible way to be, because I'm supposed to love all men, but it's kind of hard for me to love all men, yeah. and I'm dealing with a race of man who is diabolical and maniacal at any moment, and they have the freedom and the protection to be so. Can no, you help me?
0: Can, let me add. Let me add this to this, Miss Rita, because I, I hear you, and I think that your sentiment um, is a sentiment that a lot of people have. Right, and that's part of the reason why we're. I believe we're in this way. Um. You can't love somebody. love is is something that is an action for one, right? Love requires action. Love requires you to do something that's in my best interest. And so when we're talking about loving people, oh man, we gotta we gotta put the pump the brakes on that and ask ourselves, are we able to give our love unconditionally to a man? that has shown time and time again that he doesn't give a doggone about our life. We give our love unconditionally to that man, to that power. But then when it comes to our brothers and our sisters, we're very skeptical. We're very, you know, conditional on that love. Cause we don't give the same unconditional love to black people that we give to white people. Let's just keep it real. We don't. We don't. And I think that's even a conditioning thing. That's a no. That's a major problem. Yeah, I think. And that's and you know and you know where that really <laughs> stems from. And I don't I, and I know and we and you were going we were going to talk to you in a few moments. We we're going to talk to uh, Dr. Edwards, but a lot of that is ingrained from into us and, and like on a fundamental level because of our experience in slavery. And this ain't this, this ain't racism, this ain't race-baiting talk. This is the reality of where we are in this country, that we have to go through all of these twists and turns with our emotions and our logic, right? Whereas normally, if somebody sp- hits you in your face, you don't, just tell them, it's okay, hit me on this face, I'm going to give another part of my body. You don't just, because that's not natural. If somebody is attacking you, you just don't willingly take the hit, because that's not natural. What you're calling for it to do is an unnatural situation. Now, does that mean that every single white person is evil and diabolical? No, it doesn't say that. But you have to, once again, the same way that we put black people to the test, we test them and we we give them a, a, you know, I don't want to say grace period, but we have to, we make them show their love to us. This is what we do to each other. Why don't we put that same standard on white people? Why don't we put that same standard on any other group of people?
4: But that to children... When I, when my children were children, I had the honor of assisting the Boys and Girls Club, and I taught that I, it was a beautiful thing that I could teach white children you have a right to be proud of your heritage and teach Hispanic children you have a right and teach my daughter and her friends you better believe and have a right to be able to speak proudly about your heritage and to hear these children bragging and be proud about it amongst themselves, knowing that when they go home that something is going to be said. That's going to deter this ideal. It's like a never-ending bounce back at your face, and it's hard because you you fall in love and you get to know people, people that have your back that, that, that are not your race, and then you have to deal with the fact that primarily their race are detriment to your race. Mm. And, and 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 so so in in, in that
0: relationship, then, sis Miss Rita, you know a lot like I know. Well, what's the, what, what are some of the key ingredients for a successful relationship? Communication, honesty, trust, a sense that you care about me as much as I care about you. I mean, we said we I mean, come on, this is this is this isn't rocket science. This is. We we know that these things exist, but when it comes to the relationship between black people and white people in this country, it seems like all of those elements, all of those ingredients go out the door. And here's the big one. Here's the big one, Ms. Rita, and I appreciate you for checking in. The big part of it is, and again, this is not race baiting, but white people have to show that they care that they care about our humanity, that they care about our interests, and that they're willing to fight for against the injustice that their people have caused us. Now, if you are willing to step yourself out there on that part and walk that line with us, then we can start talking about love. We can start talking about that. Other than that, what are we talking about and look let me let me just tell you there are white people in this country who are doing just that and guess what we should make sure that they stay doing that and that at the same time be supportive of that but there're only a few I'm telling you they're only a few there ain't a thousand ain't millions it's only a few right now but there has to be a reciprocal um showing of care just as much because we've willingly given our love to white people, white supremacy, to the power structure, just willy-nilly. I mean, with no demands, with no conditions, with no price to pay, we just willingly have given ourselves up. And that has cost us tremendous pain that have cost us our lives. And the sad part about it is that policing in this country have played and exploited that dysfunctional relationship, that dysfunctional love, and so that's why they don't even need the big numbers. How does, they don't even need 100,000 in the police force just with just 10 or 50 can come into our communities where there are hundreds of us and instill fear. How is that? Because they've already exploited and played off of that dynamic of power. And they already know they just want to show us love. They're going to naturally submit because of just who we look like. And who we are now. Let's go back to the line. Let me hear from Sekou. Hello. Yes, sir. Hey, listen.
6: We keep going in circles. We talk about the crimes they've committed against us in the past and the present. Mhm. We never get to the solution. We just, we just moan and groan about the problem. We need to start talking about the solution. And the solution, obviously, is not integration and assimilation with whites. Because in order for that to happen, it requires the cooperation of whites. And you know how the vast majority of them feel about us. They don't want to integrate with us. I never wanted to integrate with them. I saw them for what they were after the 16th Street Baptist church bombing. I knew then that Malcolm X was right. You talk about winning them over with love. Malcolm used to criticize King for that same idea. Love, you got the wrong language. They don't love themselves. They don't love each other. Ain't no love between them. Malcolm told King that over and over again. Look how they slaughtered each other during World War I, World War II, during the American Revolution, the American Civil War. There is no love in them. They don't love themselves. They don't love their own kind. So we need to come up with a a solution that is intelligent and reasonable because integration and assimilation with them people, it's not intelligent and it's not reasonable based on historical, well-documented facts
0: about their attitude and behavior. Have a nice day. All right. Thank you, cool. Let's go back to the line. Let me hear from Margaret. Thank you.
5: Thank you for the ride. You're welcome, Margaret. Uh, Thank you. I just want to say that um, I agree with the previous caller. You had asked the question, what has changed in a year Mm -hmm. um, since his death? And I would say not much of anything. I think that Um, A lot of unaccountability has slipped by, and I think that no one is paying the price. There's no uh, 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 restoring of what has been taken from us. There's been no payment. for what they have done and we as a nation of people have to wake up it's us we have to make that change we can't stop now in the heat of the battle we must press forward we must continue to fight and let them know we are sick and tired of being sick and tired
0: there it is margaret i appreciate you thank you so much for checking in clarence let's hear what you got to say sir
7: Hey, Roger Thanks for taking the call, man. You know, I want to comment on, on Miss Rita. Miss Rita. Miss Rita sounds to me like a very spiritual person. The kind of person that just has a, a natural love for people and life. Yeah. Okay. And she is. You know, you, you it, when you're in that mode that you expect, you know, to that to come back at you. But in this reality, that does not happen you're dealing with a people that believe that I, I might be using the wrong word that other races of people especially black the black race and i'm not saying i'm not talking about brown because to them brown is more palatable than black asian is just, you know what? This is incorrect, but I'm going to say it this way anyway. Asian is just another hue, even though white is not a—well, Asian is just another hue of white, okay? That's not black. That is nothing—Asian cannot be grouped with black. Brown, in my opinion, cannot be grouped with black. Only be—like I said, it's more palatable than black. It's acceptable to them. That's why they are gaining the status in this country over— black people so quickly. But for Raji, mm-hmm. in response to Miss Reader and people that like that, you and I like that too, but we have learned that, word. I might be using the wrong word, we don't pay deference to white people. I don't owe my existence on this planet to white people. They have no... You know that that thing that they got in their head about the superiority, superiority of their race over one over other races, you know that's nonsense. God gave every black person in this on this planet their life. So when you're in the physical space in the, on this planet in the public space. We're walking around trying to be civil and obey the social norms and live the best life that we can. These people are saying, no, you're not. You get, you get my dress. No, I get your dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and, and the other thing, when you say change, here's what I see, Faraji. I see that after the officer was found guilty, yeah. I see some white cops saying, Okay, well, you know, they found him guilty. Let's show the blacks. Grab a warrant and let's go have some target practice. That's what I see. And they got away with it.
0: They got away with it for uh, for many years. They got Then one came up and Derek Chauvin didn't get away
7: with it. But right after that, what happened? Well, right after that, you're right. Less game. than 24 hours. And that was a message. You see what we can do. They get found one of us, yeah. yoki Grab a warrant. Let's go get some target practice. There's no change there, Faraji. There's, wow. there's, there's, there's no change. And every black person of conscience knows that's what they did. And I'm going to tell you something, Theragie. Let me give you a little story here. In Baltimore County, when they went out there and... Um, the police officers went out to that young lady's house who had the knife and they killed her and they also shot her little son, mm-hmm. little boy. Corn you know Gaines. what? For, yeah, Corn Gaines. I swear, Faraji, those very same officers were on Town Road in the Seven Eleven at Rogers Avenue, about six or seven of them, walking around in there with their guns on their hips like they were in the Wild West. They changed the whole atmosphere just by being, you, you know, you could just you know, I will, to this day, I still believe these were the same officers and they, you know, you could just feel if Raji was palatable. That's mm-hmm. all I could say.
0: I hear that. Clarence, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, <laughs> brother, for checking in. Um, and I think that this is this is the hard part about the conversation. The hard part about the conversation is for us to get to a place of truth. And, and and even for for white people that may be tuned in for black people are tuned in and say, oh, no, I don't want to no, We know I disagree and all of those things. I mean, we find we got to find a place of truth. We got to find a place of truth. And in my next segment, we're going to be checking in with Dr. Edwards, the director of the School of Community Health and Policy here at Morgan State and give ask her to give us some insight about. Getting to this reckoning, what does that really mean? How does that impact us? And then I want to kind of speak to something that I spoke about on my on the MPT special last night. Did you have a chance to catch it? If you didn't, it's a great conversation that we had. But I posed a question to Dr. Winbush, Dr. Ray Winbush, here from Morgan State University, about how we are vacillating between hope and uncertainty hope and uncertainty and that's where we find black people in this country and how do we move forward from that in the positive direction how do we make sure that between hope and uncertainty there's progress there's change we're going to have that conversation. Stay riding with me. Continue to join me on, on, on AF4103198888. Post your comments on my Facebook page at Faraji Muhammad. And, of course, stay tuned. You're tuned into Forta For the Culture here on WEAA 88.9 FM. Absolutely the voice of the community. We'll be right back.